Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, this idea of Jesus and how he sees faith. And so the series we're titling is called Perspective, and it's seen through the lens of Jesus, okay? So we're going to look a little bit at what does Jesus see, what does he look like, what does he see, how does he view things, and how can we possibly um, do the same? Now, I know some of you have glasses or contacts or things like that, and you know I don't, but a very interesting thing happened a year or two ago. I can't remember now when it was a year or a year and a half ago, but I started having headaches and I was like squinting like crazy. Like even when I would read stuff, I'd be doing like this, you know. And so my buddies and friends, they were like, you got to get glasses. You got to get glasses. You're getting old. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so I thought, well, man, you know, it's definitely an issue here going on. I'm having headaches. I'm squinting all the time. I was going around like this right here, you know. And so I went to the eye doctor. I had him check it out. I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't know. I just, do I need readers? Do I need this? And I tried little readers, but they gave me headaches worse. I tried the, like the lowest setting. And so when I get to the eye doctor, I say, man, what is it, bro? I mean, hit me with it. Tell me, what is it? I'm thinking like, you know, I, I never had glasses in my life, except safety glasses and things like that when I worked in construction. But I was like, you know, okay, what is it? What's the problem? He looks at me, he says, you have eye fatigue. I said, what? What is that? Now, if you're an eye physician or you're a physician, you've heard of this kind of stuff. I, I, it's new to me. Okay, eye fatigue. And he said, yeah, do you use a lot of uh, blue light? I said, so my thought was like, no, um, blue, I'm thinking like, that's the stuff, you know, I was thinking black lights, you know what I'm talking about, like in the fair, remember the thing, glow in the dark stuff, I'm thinking like, no, we don't use that, I don't even have any anymore, but back in the day I did, I mean, like, doggone, man, mess my eyes up from using black lights, what? He said, no, 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 blue light, UV light from your computer screens, from your phones and all that kind of stuff, like, oh yeah, for work, yeah, I do, I use it a lot, actually, because that's what it is, you have eye fatigue, I said, well, how do I fix that, he said, get some blue light glasses, it's like, what? What is that? So I had to go find these things because they're called blue light glasses. So if, a piece of advice, if you use a computer a lot, they're, they're inexpensive. You can go on Amazon for super cheap. But they're blue light glasses. If you use a tablet a lot or your phone a lot, you just put these things on when you're using it. They're clear. And what it does, it filters the blue light. And your eyes stop doing this because it's so bright on your eye and you, they relax. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe the difference. Like, honestly, I thought, oh, this is so awesome. So, and I just wear them all the time. Like, just at the house, everywhere I go, I mean, I forget they're even on. But all because I was having difficulty with vision, uh, someone who understood how vision works gave me a prescription, if you will, and made it work. So I thought, I know all about this now. I got vision stuff figured out, right? So my youngest one, She's sitting there at this, she does, we home educate, so she's sitting there, she's on her tablet like this, and she's going, I mean, I, she can't even, I don't know how she could see, she had her eyes like this, and the tablet's like this. And, and so I look at her and I'm like, yeah, it's no good, no problem, I, I'll fix this, I'm going to get you some blue light glasses, you'll be fine. No problem, Dad, dad's got this. So I ordered blue light glasses for everybody, the whole family gets blue light glasses, right? Put color you want, I got red, green, blue, I, mean, I feel like I'm pushing stuff, you know, like, what do you want, what do you, I, got, I got what you need. So she puts these, the Haley's saying, I think she needs to go to the eye doctor. Ah, it's blue light glasses, it's blue light glasses. Trust me, trust me, I haven't been there, done that. So she's putting these things on, right? And then she's still like this, right? Like this, you know. I'm going like, baby girl, you, you know, it'll work, just give it time, you know? And so finally Haley said, I'm taking her to the eye doctor, okay? I said, okay, you go ahead, but they're going to tell you 
it's just blue light glasses is what she needs. It's no problem. So she goes, they come back to, no, the child needs real glasses. Um, she can't see this or something. Other. I don't know what kind of prescriptions she got. But nonetheless, so she puts those on. And I've watched the difference from when she wears them, it goes from this to like normal. Because her sight is corrected by the vision, the lenses that they gave her. And it's a lot like that with Jesus and his kingdom. So I just want to share a little bit about this today. Um, in a sense, if you could imagine this, if you were to wear kingdom glasses, what would your vision look like in life spiritually? How would you view things in life? If I had on kingdom glasses, I'm get very real for a moment. If I had kingdom glasses, I would put aside some of my partisan political ideology and see that there are humanity and humans behind even the silliest of decisions. That's hard to do, I know. But if, I'm to wear, but if I wear kingdom glasses, I can do it. But if I don't, then, then look, I'm doing like this. I've got my sight. But kingdom glasses cause me to think differently. It doesn't mean that you have to put aside biblical morality or understanding. It just means that I need to understand, too, that there is a human behind the other side of the lenses, and God loves them, too. And if it were not for the grace of God, there so I go as well, right? Can we all agree? If it weren't for the grace of God, can we just step for one moment? If it were not for the grace of an almighty God, where would you be? I mean, I made some really foolish decisions growing up, very foolish and I thank God for his grace. I mean, his mercy, his forgiveness, that second chance, if you will, that second thousand chance, if you will. Grace is a beautiful thing. But when I put on kingdom glasses, I also have to see that God wants to extend his grace to other people. It doesn't mean I have to agree with him at all. I do not have to agree with what is wrong. But I can't come together and pray for them, seek God for them. I don't have to agree with them, but I do want to pray for them and see them the way that Jesus See that sees them, and without kingdom glasses, our vision is skewed, and we see the way that we want to see people. We need to see like God wants to see. So we're hoping in the next twenty-one days that we will begin to see everything and everyone through the eyes of Jesus. That's our prayer for the next twenty-one days. Okay, so that's what we're asking for you: the people you work with, the people you go to school with, your family members, associates, people that put stuff on social media that drives you crazy. They put these little things on there. You go like, oh, they're nuts. These, they've gone off the rails. Those people. Yes, even those people. Jesus loves them too. It doesn't mean they're, you have to agree with them. It just means for a second, just for a moment, when you're seeing those weird things they post, just put on some kingdom glasses and go, you know what? They're just deceived or confused or blinded by the enemy. It's a very real thing. So let's look at Luke 7 this morning. We're talking a little bit about the centurion and about how Jesus viewed some things that he did. A couple of thoughts. I'm going to read to you. This is from the New American Standard uh, Bible. We'll put this on the screen for you. But you may want to read this in another version. Um, there is the, the New Living Translation. It's a great version to read from. It's a great Bible you can read from. And um, it's, uh, it's written in a way, it's a, it's, a, it's a translation. There are some things that aren't exactly accurate, like, but it's not bad. It's nothing that's going to derail your theology. It's just a few little words here and there. But it it reads easier. So if you want an easy reading Bible, then the New Living Translation or the ESV, the English Standard Version, those two are really good 
uh, reading Bibles, and um, they're, they're good on their on their definitions and things. So Luke seven verse one. I'm reading from the New American Standard because it's I, it's it's just. It's easier for me because I study from this, so I just keep it on here, okay? So um, it says, when he had completed all of his discourse in the hearing of the people, this is when he taught, building your house on the rock, not on the sand, those kind of things. He preached all this. He finished his preaching. He, he preached all day long, man. And then when he finished, he went to the city of Capernaum. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of a slave. Now, I just want you to understand, first of all, I'm talking about kingdom glasses. First of all, you've got a Gentile Roman centurion that has moved in, set up camp with a hundred soldiers in this region. He's a Gentile. Israel, the Jews hate him. They hate Romans. They hate everything about the occupation. And here's a thing. Before we go any further, here is a Roman Gentile centurion in charge of the military in their city that they hate has the ability to communicate to two Jewish elders in the synagogue and ask for help. You talk about kingdom glasses. I mean, we, we sometimes, we have issues with little things. You know? We don't like people because they drive a Ford and we drive a Chevy. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? We don't like iPhone and, and Android. We, we have such friction with that, we can't even get along with that. Yeah, right? I mean, football, not one of us in this room except for Pastor Stephen has a team that's anywhere near going to make it this year. All of us got burned. He's the only one pulling for that team that wears blue. With the letter M. He's probably the only one. The whole time. I didn't, you know, until Larry is right. Look at him. He's like, yeah, it's your time, baby. It's your time, brother. It's your time. You crazy nut. Anyway, you know, it, it is what it is, right? And you know, it's short-lived. <laughs> it's short-lived. <laughs> Stephen, you heard that, right? Just want you to know. But we have such friction on that. I cut up and I get along, and I'm, we're silly with, I'm, I, I mess with people all the time, but I promise you, when it's over, like, for me, whatever, it's a ball game. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that ain't helping me at all. It probably increases my stress, to be honest with you. But we get frustrated over little things. This guy here, and you would have to understand the culture, the hatred that was there, the animosity between these two groups of people was great. And yet he developed relationships with elders there. So when the elders, when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him. So they must really like this guy. He says, he is worthy for you to grant this to him. For he loves our nation. Unbelievable. He loves our nation and it was he who built us our synagogue. So he built a church for them. This is radical, y'all. This is radical. But I just want to see, but it's amazing who's wearing the kingdom glasses here, you know. It really is. This is the Gentiles wearing the glasses, honestly, more than most in the scriptures when you read about Jesus and his connections with people. But nonetheless, it says, so now Jesus started on his way with them, verse six or verse uh, six. Yeah. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him. Now, I don't understand this part here. Um, If he saw him coming like he was that close or. He got to thinking about some things and realized as a Gentile, oh no, I can't do, I can't ask him to come. I know your culture, I understand the Jewish culture. Um, Gentiles, we're unclean. I understand your God, I understand how this works. I can't let you come in my house. I'll, I'll defile you. My request has may have exceeded 
my request may have exceeded what is allowed by your religion and your faith. I've asked more than asking you to heal my, my, my servant was one thing, but I've asked you to come here. I've gone beyond what is acceptable by God. Like his request was huge, if you will. Okay. So as he's thinking about this or as he sees him, I'm not sure which one, but he sends out some of his friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, um, I want to say this before I go any further on this part here. Because in our culture, if all you have an understanding is from in our history in America, with slavery and all the pain and suffering and the background with that, if that's all the education you have and you don't understand slavery beyond America, you wouldn't understand this right here. Again, take your glasses off for a moment that have filtered your whole life. Like your views, your understanding, your culture, your family shapes everything that you believe and see. But all around the world, it's been a part of our, our, our world forever. And in this case, this isn't what American history, this is not the same thing. You know, you, they would have servants. Some of the Jewish people would be a servant or a slave. They would serve in and under a household willingly. So some of this stuff, some not. Some do. Being a Roman, he probably got this guy somewhere. I don't know. I'm just saying when you read this, you have to understand their culture at the time was not the same as what we saw and what we've read about in our culture here. That's important. Because if you read this, you'll think, well, okay, it's great that you healed him. Why couldn't you set him free? You see what I'm saying, right? It's great that you healed the guy, but why can't he just be released? Well, you have to understand their culture. If he's released, where is he going to go? He might get released, and then he's got nothing. He has nowhere to go. He has no home. Now, he's, now he has nothing. Some of these individuals, they would serve for seven years, and then they would be released. And many of the, like this guy, this Roman centurion, who seems like a good man, many of them would help them get started and become and get their own business and things like that going in life. Completely different mindset. Some of it was like what we have read about in American culture, but in this case, that's not what this is. And I need you to understand that because if all you know is that, you'll read this with that filter and it'll matter as we go forward, okay? So that being said, um, verse 8. For I also am a man placed under authority. He's talking about military. I'm a centurion and I have those over me and I'm under their authority with soldiers that are under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, at the centurion, and he turned to the crowd that was following him, and he says, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. He is saying this Gentile has exceeded what I have seen and what I should see in my own people. He's exceeded it. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of submission and how it works with vision. First of all, understand this, that submission brings vision. Okay? Say it again. Maybe I have it on the screen for you. Yeah. Submission, it brings vision. You may think that's not true. 
But I'm telling you, the more you can get along with your employer, the more of your understanding of his or her vision you will get and be able to run with. The longer you disagree with them and have, don't like them and you don't like their attitude or their political views, it doesn't matter. They, you didn't get hired to cooperate with them in their personal life. You got hired to help them fulfill a vision or a mandate that God or that they just have on their own, whatever. That's their vision. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you work for a bakery and they're baking pies and they say, hey, we're baking a chocolate pie, a lemon pie, and a vanilla pie, and that's what we're going to make this week. I need you to bake a hundred of each. And you get frustrated because you wanted to make a strawberry pie. It really doesn't matter. It's, they own the bakery. They want those pies. Let's get with it. And the quicker we can submit to what we are under, the faster you'll get vision for it and be able to run with it. And you'll be happier, actually. And I'll be honest with you. Something else you'll see if you read the life of Joseph, the quicker you can do that, actually, the quicker you'll be promoted. Whether in that company or another, but God will bless and he will elevate you if we're willing to submit. But as long as we rebel against the authority that we're under, um, it's very difficult to have vision for it. But kingdom authority and victory actually comes through submission. It sounds crazy, but it really does. When we submit to the king of authority, Jesus, other things come. When we live under his authority, um, it actually helps us live above the trials and circumstances that come at us. That sounds weird, I know, but when you live under submission to God, it actually helps you step up over what's coming at you. But we have to be submitted to God. And so one way to look at submission is this. Let me, let me put this image up here for you. Is to actually be, it means this, submission, the actual definition for the word submission is to mean placed under, if you will, this idea of the mission. To be placed under mission. So think about this. A lot of times we think of the word submit, we think this. We think, well, I have to submit, um, you know, i got to change my views. And like I just described to you a while ago, that is true. We have to do that. But, I want you to think about this for a moment. Put on your kingdom glasses for a minute. Um, When Paul was chosen to be an apostle, could he have chosen to run the other way on his own? Yeah. But was he still chosen to be who God wanted him to be? This centurion by the military... um, he was selected, and then actually the scripture, if you look at it, if you look in verse 8, it actually says this. He says, for I am also a man placed under authority. So in the military now, if you're from the military, you know this. Uh, when they put you in a role, there you go. Somebody's in the military. I'd say, you don't. If they tell you stand post, that's your post. Like you don't get to discuss, well, I just don't feel like I'm fit for this role. You ain't going to make it. All that whining and wimpy stuff that's going on in our culture today, like, well, I just want to talk about my feelings. You can forget that mess. You'll feel something all day long. You'll be feeling a lot. It don't work like that in the military. Can you imagine trying to lead in wartime and little, little, little wimpy little people say, well, I just don't feel like I can, I just don't understand. I think we need to think about where we're going and I need to understand the culture better. They are going to kick you across the side of the sand. You understand? They are no, there's no mercy there like that. They don't operate or function like that because they can't. They cannot function as a unit with so many competing voices about what we should or shouldn't do. And even if they do something, they might be wrong. And we've been wrong in, in cases. We've had to realize that. But you still can't 
operate with a wishy-washiness. Someone's got to lead something. This guy was placed under, placed under authority. Now, don't you say, put your kingdom glass on for a minute. Do you realize that every one of us in this room, you've been placed under authority? You willingly submit, yes, but watch this. Even if you don't submit, you're still under it. It's a very interesting thing. Stop thinking about kingdom glasses, right? Come on, kingdom glasses, y'all. Take your, take your own glass. Take the stuff that you got, viewpoints, thinkings, all that cultural stuff. Kingdom glasses. Joseph, illustration. Um, do you think he really wanted to go into a pit? Do you think he wanted to go to jail, accused of you know, sexual harassing Potiphar's wife and get put in prison? No. Not any of those things. But if you look at Joseph, one thing you'll see is this. He willing submitted under wherever he was at. Because in a way, even Joseph said this, the Lord aligned this or, or he, he took what was given to him. He took these situations and he turned it around so that Joseph could actually be the prime minister and feed the whole known world at that time. He was under something, placed. Whether he chose to submit or not, he was still placed under it. And through the centurion's humility of being willing to understand that he was placed under the authority of Jesus, even though in the earth he had more authority than Jesus based on the culture, he knew spiritually he was under the authority of Jesus. He also knew that sickness and disease was under the authority of Jesus too. He was taught that by these Jewish people, obviously. And when we live our lives, lives through our own eyes and instead of the kingdom glasses that God gives us, I'll tell you this much, when we do our own thing and we don't put on the kingdom glasses, the enemy laughs at us a lot. Because he knows that if he can get us to, to rebel and to dismiss any authority whatsoever that God has put us under, he knows then that we're not going to do anything for God. He, he knows that. And understand this, this is an interesting thing with the centurion. Think about the military for a moment. He has authority when he submits to authority. If you're in the military, you're placed in a role and you're placed in a post. You're under authority regardless of how you handle that post. You are under their authority. But when I choose to function in what they have told me to be under, I now am released with the authority they've given me to do what it is they've called me to do. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? Okay, all right, keep, just hang in there. I'm almost going to land a plane here in a moment, okay? But understand this. This all starts with faith and who has the ultimate authority in our life. And with this centurion, the first thing that Jesus sees is our faith, not our position. It's what do we believe about where he's placed us? Well, I don't like my job. Well, I don't like my life. I don't like my husband. He's an idiot. Well, I don't like my wife. She don't love me. All that stuff really doesn't matter. It's where has God placed you right now? Because if wherever he placed you, that's where the authority is. Y'all with me, right? Okay, come on. Somebody say amen. I mean, like, I'm just making sure y'all with me, all right? But this is what Jesus saw first. He saw faith, not his rank, not his status, not his, like, followers on Instagram. He did not see any of those things. He saw his faith. And for us, take off your earthly glasses for a moment and put on kingdom glasses. You understand that Jesus, as great as you are and as much as you've done and the positions that you hold in life, in this life, that's not what he sees first. See, we all see that. When David was anointed king, remember what they told him? You know, Sam is looking around. He says, nope, that's not him. Nope. And they come in looking good. Big daddies, you know? What's up? 
Megillium, you know, all the brothers, they come in like big muscled up. They've been, they, they've been lifting, you know, they've been doing stuff. Samuel, nope, 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 nope. I mean, be like, Zach, big Zach over here. Look at, look at Zach. Stand up, Zach. Come here. Come here. Come up here. Come on. Hurry up, man. Come on. You're an athlete. Come on. Hurry up. Get up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hurry up here. Yes, up here. No, I ain't doing no push-ups. Come here. Crazy. This brother, he's an athlete. Okay, look at Zach. Look at him and look at me. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous what God gave you, man. It's not even fair. So, it's like Samuel going, yep, yep, no, 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 no. But you would choose him, wouldn't you? I mean, he looks kingly. Look at that. Look at him. Look at me. Which one would you pick? You're going to lead an army. I'm picking him. Go sit down, man. So who does he pick? I'm not going to pick the scroniest person in the room, okay? But imagine the littlest little teenage boy you've ever seen. And he's, he still talks like this. Like little Pinocchio looking thing. He's just, he just a scrawny little rut of a boy. And Samuel picks him because, watch what he says. God looks on the heart. But watch this. But we look on the outside. Now, that's a fact. I tell my kids all the time, you can wear this there, you can wear this there, that's fine, whatever. But if you're going for an interview, you might want to dress for the occasion. Because whether you like, well, people ought to love me for my heart. I don't care what you think about that. God loves you for your heart. He'll, God bless you. Go to sleep. He loves you with your heart. But the world around you does not love you because of your heart. What they see is what they are determined about you. You come in looking crazy like, you know, like gotten half dressed, your hair is like this, you don't brush your teeth, like, yeah, I want this job. <laughs> I wouldn't hire you. That's discrimination. I don't care what it is. That's you call what you want. You look like a lazy person to me. I can hire you. But if somebody comes in prepared, hey, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. My name is so and so. Got a resume, got this, and has had no opportunity. First thing is, at least I'm impressed the way they look. Because we look on the outside, God looks on the heart. But why is this important? Jesus saw his heart, his faith first, not his position. And God sees the same thing, okay? So watch this. He said, just speak the word because I understand where you're placed, Jesus. Luke 7, 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He turned everybody around and he said, I tell you, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He said, I understand your placement in the kingdom. You're the son of God. If you say to those demons they have to flee... I know they're going to go. And I realize this about your authority, where you're placed. Apparently, your words matter more than where you walk. Apparently, something about you and your words, based on what I understand in Scripture and these, these Jewish elders have taught me, apparently there is something about your communication. That's where the power is. And he says, I understand that because I'm in the military. And I have those over me and watch. When they communicate to me and they say, this is what I want done in Capernaum, I do it. They, have, they only have to tell me what they want done, I do it. And he's saying, I see the same thing on you. Speak a word only, and my servant will be healed. See, sometimes we look at these things and we think it's all about the mo- And listen, I love, to, I love, I'd give a hundred Sundays for five seconds of what, I, we were having just a few minutes ago in worship. I give a hundred Sundays for five seconds of that and just sensing the Lord and the presence of God. I give a, you understand, I love it. 
I love that. It's the most wonderful, just to stop and go, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because you know he's with you, but it's nice every now and then just to sense the Lord like that. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not where the power's at. It's not what you feel. It's not. The true power of God is not what you feel. It's not what you see. It's not. It's not in preachers who can wire you up and fire you up where you, you feel like you'll run around to church. It ain't that. It's hype. It's fun. That's not where the power is at. Jesus, you don't see Jesus screaming at this guy. Give me I mean, he's not like Thor or something. It's nothing like that. He's not throwing hammers. He's not smashing stuff. He just spoke a word. That's where the power of God is at, is in his word. And the difference is, is when you read this, this is called Logos or L-O-G-O-S, Logos, Logos, Lagos, however you want to pronounce it, doesn't matter. That's what it's called. But when you speak it and communicate it, it, it shifts. It's called Rhema. And it means the spoken word. It means the one that has now authority on it because you used it. It's tied to the sword of the spirit. And see, this right here can sit in your doorstep all you want to or your desk. And it's pretty. It looks good. I mean, this is neat. It's green. I mean, it's kind of cool, you know. It's got some cool stuff in it. This is a, a Messianic Jewish Bible. It's got like, you know, some different words in it. I love it. But if I don't use it, if I don't put it in my mouth and say something with it, it's useless. For me, I don't mean it's useless because of God. I mean, for me. That's why he tells us to put, meditate on my word day and night. What does that mean? So that you might know and do and have good success. But meditate means to think, to mutter, to speak the word. It means over my kids. If So what if they're not doing good in this area whatever? Okay, take the moment. My kids will be taught of the Lord. In all of their ways, they will acknowledge him. I start praying stuff, speaking stuff. Well, that's some of them. Name it, people. Ain't it? Man, you got to get. That's called, you're using your glasses. Put on some kingdom glasses for a moment. What does God say? You don't have to be weird with it. Let's say be weird. But speak over your kids. Why do you think Israel and all the Jewish people, they had these moments where the dad, especially right before he left the earth, he placed his hands on his kids and pronounced blessings on them. Why do you think at the end of church, every Sunday, we speak the blessing of the Lord on you? Because we're proclaiming the word of God on you, your family and your kids. That's where the power's at. But see, we, I'm just going to be, we don't think that though, do we? I fire you up. If I start yelling and screaming, getting you all fired up, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, all right. But so what? What am I going to do with it? That's the question. He says this. This is what he understood, this soldier. He, he could not have soldiers for protection under him if he was not surrendered to the officers over him. I'm going to leave that on the screen for you a minute. I want you to look at that. This centurion could not have soldiers for protection under him to do what was supposed to be done, to protect him, to do what God or what the, the, the military told him to do if he was not surrendered to the officers that were over him. If he rebels from them, they will remove him from his post and set another in his place. Y'all with me, right? 
So it's a very interesting thing. Now, I don't know if you're superstitious, don't really care because I'm not. It doesn't matter. I'm not. Black cats, umbrellas, ladders, it don't matter. Number 13, whatever. All right, this is an umbrella. I opened up inside. Yes, I did. Don't care. Don't believe any of that junk. All right? Doesn't move me. Because, see, that's earthly glasses. Put on your kingdom glasses. Ain't nothing in the Bible about an umbrella opened up and whatever. <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Weird what we believe in, but we won't believe this. Come on, right? I'll take you to speak God's word. And I'm, well, that sounds like I'm aiming to claim it. But, boy, they don't open an umbrella in the desert. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Think about it, right? Think about what we believe, right? All right. So we use this for a lot of times to stay out of the weather or to keep us from getting soaked, if you will, in Georgia. <laughs> These are useless in Georgia, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, when the wind starts going, they crumble, they crack. Now, this is a pretty nice one. This is actually a decent umbrella. If you get one of those PGA umbrellas, they're like a tent, man. You know, they're great. But imagine this. This is God's authority, okay? Imagine this is his, what he said. This is what he called you, asked you to do. Imagine this is what he's told us to do as a people, this is his authority. Okay, this is you and I, and we are under his authority. And the centurion says, I'm a man under authority. Because I'm under the authority, I tell this one who's under my authority, go, and they do. And he says, I recognize this about you, Jesus. You're a man under authority. You're not, he says, there's no way you're doing this as a man on your own. Like, there's something else behind you with something bigger. So see, with the military, if one man says go, they don't do it because of him. He's not strong enough to do anything. They do it because they know who backs him, all of Rome. And he's saying, I see this in you when you say something. It seems like all of heaven is backing you. So I'm going to trust that what you say is going to come to pass. But how many times do we do this? God tells us something in his word, we're under it. We're under his authority, under his authority, until we have a problem or an issue or trial or something, and then all of a sudden we get out from under his authority. And when we do that, it isn't that God has left us, but without his authority in our life, and what he says goes, and what he tells us to do in life, we're on our own. And it can get so far. If you want to know why people are doing weird stuff today, and you look at the things you see, and your kids are questioning, like, what is going on around me? And I don't have to explain in depth, but you understand what I mean. Just take five seconds on the commercials and you're like, what? What? I mean, what is going on? It's because eventually when people stay out from under the authority of God for so long, the scriptures say in Romans, he gives them over to what's called a reprobate mind. It means he finally says, okay, this is the scary part. We can come out from under God's authority for a bit, but we can also come back. It's called repentance, right? It's a simple thing. It doesn't have to be sin either. It can be a simple thing. I'll show you a verse and we're going to wrap up. I can come back under God's authority. Oh, God, I, did, I didn't, I'm, I apologize, Lord. I, you know, I got off track there. I missed it over there. Right? You just make an adjustment. You repent, get back under it. Right? You understand what I'm saying? It's a very simple thing. All of us fall out from under his authority at times, right? Let's be honest. Every one of us do. But what do you do? I want to get back under what God put over me. But here's the scary part. What's, what's taking place and what you're watching is when people stay out from his authority for so long, God actually says, well, imagine, if this could be suspended here, I can't do it. But imagine if it could. You can get back under as many times as God's mercy and grace is forever. But when, eventually when people say, I don't want to be under this, I don't want to be under this, and they rebel, rebel, and they go so far. In the Jewish culture, they, they sacrifice their kids to the God of Moloch. 
And they made them try to walk through the fire as toddlers and babies. That's terrible and disgusting. And we would call that today the most heinous of things to see. And yet we overlook so many other things. It's because eventually God does this. He says, you don't want to be under it. I can't get you to get back under it. He finally says, okay, what little bit of covering I did have in your life, I'm going to move it over there out of the way. And now you're really on your own. And once that happens, people, they convert. And they change so much so, the only hope for them is repentance through Christ. But it's going to get worse because they have now not just moved out from under his authority, he's actually moved out away from them and said, okay, you want it, you have it. That's a scary thing. But if you want to know why things look the way they do, that's why. So that's not my, um, my message, but it goes with it. And I'll put this on the screen for you. To rebel against authority is to have authority taken away from you. That's what happens. So, but when we submit to God... Guys, I'm telling you, man, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. When I submit to the Lord and I get up under what God's asking of me, I get vision. You get vision for your family, vision for your job. You get vision. But that's why he's got to be first in it, right? So let's move on. And the last thing is this about it. Submission brings action. So not only does it bring vision, it's going to bring action in our lives. So the kingdom of God does not follow the world. Do you agree? Put on kingdom glasses. The kingdom of God does not follow the world. And so... When this, this centurion was speaking, and he says, I also am a man placed under authority, and I say, go to this one. Come here to that one. Do this, and they do it. He's saying, action takes place because I'm under authority. Because I'm under authority, I can speak and cause things to take place. All right, y'all with me? All right, I'm wrapping up. Y'all with me? Okay, all right. All right, so watch this. John 5, 19, Jesus says this, Truly I say unto you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself. Without the authority of God, Jesus says, I can do nothing. Okay? I only do that which I see my Father do. He's, so, Jesus, Jesus, come help me, come help me. Well, who are you? I, I need you to come help me. My daughter's sick. I'm sorry, but you're not of our faith. You're a Gentile. Syrophoenician woman. You're, you're not of the Jewish call. I was only sent. Watch this. Jesus. Boy, would this offend people today. I've only been sent to the household of Israel. Sorry. I'm only here to help the Jews. I was not sent. Listen, it gets worse. I was not sent to help the dogs, if you will. That's what he called her, a dog. Or a little puppy. I don't care if you call her a puppy or a dog. There ain't no woman I know that has ever responded positively to someone calling them a dog or a puppy. It's not cute in any language or culture. This woman, though, did not get offended. She said, yeah, Lord, but the dogs get crumbs from the table. No, man, that's deep. What she just said was, I don't need everything you got. All I need is this right here. Just a, just the side of your, I know what you can do. Just all I need is a little bit crazy stuff like that. But he said, I only do what I see the father. Well, that obviously then God said, whoa, you got to take care of that. Do you see what I'm saying about being under authority? So 
Real quick, how does submission bring action? Well, submission causes me to think differently, to see differently, to view people differently, to understand others. Guys, can I just be very real with you on a couple of things? Um, How I look at people, whether it be the color of the skin we have, the ethnicity or the culture of my heritage, or whatever else we view, my status, my socioeconomic position in life, whatever it is, if that is in any way as a person of the kingdom causing you to make decisions about someone, you need to put on kingdom glasses. You need to. Man, this culture today is wanting to divide us so bad. And when you look around the room in here, there are so many different tones and and, and ethnicities and cultures, and, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a picture of heaven. It's a beautiful, it, it's the way it should be, you know? And I mean, I know we're in Rome. I know we're, it's not the most diverse city. I get that. I understand. I mean, they like New York where you're going to go to the Bogota, I mean, the, you know, Bodego and get some things and all this. It, Bogota, I was watching the thing on Columbia. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I've been up all night, half the night. So anyway, um, but you understand what I'm saying. I know we're not that big and diverse, but we are enough to where, as a kingdom person, if I see you, my decisions in life on you should not be based on, at this point in the kingdom, the color of my skin, the background of my culture, where I came from, how much I make. Like God looks at every one of us and says, I love them with an everlasting love. And our kingdom glasses should see the exact same thing. So what would God ask us to submit to? So let's look at it. And Bruce can come up. We're going to wrap up with these last two thoughts. Very simple. And you already know, if you've probably heard these before, even if you haven't read them in the Bible, um, you've heard these before, for the most part, at least the first one. What does God want us to submit to? Number one, the great commandment. We submit to, number one, his vision. If, if, if you want to submit to and get vision from God, you've got to submit first to his vision. And what is that? Mark 12, open on the screen for you here, Mark 12, verse 30. And this is what people call the golden rule. <laughs> it's so funny how, isn't it funny how the world wants to take everything from God that they like? But leave it, let's don't, let's don't do other stuff, but I'll take this part. But here's the cool thing God says. This is of the Lord. So if you ever want to know God's heart on something, instead of listening to these people out here try to project God as some evil and hurtful person, he picks on the, it's ridiculous. Mark 12 is very clear about what Jesus says. And this is in the Old Testament too. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. First is God. Get under what's over you. Because whether you're under him or not, he's still over you. The question is, am I going to yield to what's over me or am I going to run from him? But get under what's over you. The second command is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look across the room at some people. Go ahead, take a look at them. If you're single, you might find another single. I don't know. But nonetheless, <laughs> just be nice. Don't be, a, don't be one of these like, I got three girls. So, fellas, you know, if you know how to treat one, let, come see me. I'll, I'll tell you. Daddy's mean business. Don't, don't mess with our babies. Be nice. Be sweet. Be, be kind. You know, those kind of things. That's not my message either, but I could definitely, I got a, I got a list of that right there. And there's some girls in here that I've, we've grown up with in our church. Now they're young ladies that 
They're like, I look at them like daughters. Look, man, I'm always watching. Who's that guy? What was he talking about? I mean, because, you know, a daddy, just because you, you got your own kids don't mean you don't look. You doesn't say, I, I'm watching out for them too, right? So, but look around the room. Take another look around because I don't think you really, I think you glanced. There's some people around you, right? He tells you to love them like you love yourself. So first of all, and I don't have time to teach on this, do you love yourself? Of course you do. You don't have to give a whole lot on that. You want what you want. You're going to treat yourself well. And I'll tell you a good example of this. We have a pretty big family, not as big as others, but we have a decent-sized family. Um, so we have different coffees and things like that. So we're trying to teach our kids this. But So if Haley, if there's one coffee pod left, okay, and I know how much she loves that kind of coffee that's in the pod, but there's one left, like, what do you do? Do you take it or do you leave it for the person in your home that loves it too? If you want to practice, this is a great way to practice. Give it to them. If you take it, it's, it's nothing wrong with it. Maybe. It might have to get in a fight later. But you, if you prefer someone else over yourself as an example of love, to say, I love you. You know what? I don't need you have it. Even though you really wanted it, you love them just like you love yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Y'all, that's crazy. Get under what God put over you. God first, others second. Love them like you love yourself. Jesus said, get under my vision, okay? And the second and last thing is this. Um, we submit to his action, which is the Great Commission. Very interesting thing about this, the Great Commission is in Mark, it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in Acts. Five different places he put the Great Commission. To remind us of what? Jesus said, all watch. Let's put this on the screen for you, Matthew 28, 18. Let's put this on the screen. I want you guys to see this. And Jesus came up and spake unto them, and he said, what? All, let's say it out loud like you know the answer. All authority. What is the authority then? Well, this is a big deal. What's the authority? The next thing he says, you want to know my authority, it's this. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Are you making disciples? You're either making disciple or you're being made a disciple. It's one of those two things. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all I've commanded to you. And lo, that's a unique word, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, this morning I'm going to ask you to get up under what God put over you. Maybe God's called you to minister to the laundry mats. But what do you call them? The laundry, laundry centers. Yeah, laundry mats. Where you go and... People come, I've seen people do this before. They take bags of coins, or I don't know how it works now. I'm still using coins, but they used to. They'd run through and just ding, 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 and pay for it. People are like, what are you doing? I just want to bless you. Why? Because Jesus loves you. What? Well, see, now they've got to wash their clothes. You've got a captive audience. I mean, literally, what are they going to do? Well, they going to leave their clothes in there and run off and leave you. Yeah, you want to know some more about Jesus? You just ding the laundry. You got a you got a captive audience. You got every laundromat. There's other things I've seen people do, but whatever it is he's called you, then figure out it's on your job, it's your family, but you're called to make disciples and help reach people too. It's not this is not the job position where that only happens at. It's in us, all of us. So this morning as I pray for you, I really want you to hear that submission brings vision.
And submission brings action. Get up under what God put over you, okay? So, so why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning before we go. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. I thank you, God, that you are good, Lord. And uh, your mercy endures forever. I thank you, Father, that there are so many people here today that love you with all their heart. They're here because they love you, Lord. They didn't come here to hear a preacher. They came here because they love you. And uh, God, I thank you for that with hearts and minds attuned to you. Father, I ask you right now, if there be anybody here today that they don't know you, or maybe they need to get under your authority, they are outside of your authority this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself. With every eye closed, no one looking around, and all heads are bowed, just for a moment. If that's you, this morning, I'm going to pray two prayers. First of all, if you need to repent, and I don't mean it's a deep sin, I just mean it's simple things. Like maybe the Lord is saying, I need you to read that verse again. Hey, I'd like for you to cut back on this. It can be simple things. It does not have to be deep sin. But you need to repent of a few things. Or you need to receive Jesus this morning. I want you to pray this prayer with me. The whole church is going to pray. But in your heart right now, the scriptures say a man or woman believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth. There's that power and authority in the word again. Confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they shall be saved. So we're going to lead you in a prayer right now. Repeat this after me, the whole church. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I acknowledge there are things in my life that I need to change. And so, Lord, I give them to you today. Whatever you need me to change, I ask you to help me and I will repent and turn from them and turn to you. Help me, Lord, to stay under the authority that you've given me. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart and I repent of all sin. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we are so proud to be right. Church, would you give my hand right now? <clears throat> all right, all right. So proud of you. So Miss Davis is going to come up and close out uh, for us. But, man, if you prayed that prayer, we really want to help you get started walking with the Lord. And so on the screen, there will be a, uh, a little image that will pop up that you can scan and help us. We'll send you some information about the church, help you get started walking with God. Anything you might need, we can help you. Or if you want to go uh, old school and write it down, there's in the seat back cards. You can grab one of those, drop in the offering box on your way out the door. Man, we'd love to hear from you and help you get started with the Lord. So, hey, you guys welcome up Miss Theta Shank this morning. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Pastor. Under authority, man, what a great lesson. I hope we don't ever under, open an umbrella and think of anything else other than this message. We're now under authority. Um, you know what? If you made any decisions, please go ahead and let us know. about. If you made a decision about Jesus, please let us know. And if, it's, if we say what happens in our heart, things shift. If we profess with our mouth, things shift. And prayer warriors will be up here. They're coming now to stand with you if you need prayer and you want to tell someone what the Lord has done in your heart this morning. Let them agree with you in prayer. That is an awesome opportunity. Um, The other thing, in this church, we are givers. We are givers. And I remind you this morning that what a privilege it is to work together as a body of Christ and not only affect what's needful in this building to keep us up and running, but to take care of the homeless to be able to serve those that are over in Sudan, 
to take care of those that are in Haiti. Your giving, we're able to reach the kingdom for the Lord. Go across the globe. So please don't forget to give. Um, Try the Lord in it if you haven't done it. It's a wonderful uh, opportunity to test him and see and watch what he does when you're obedient with your first fruits. Terry, my husband's grandfather was a farmer, and he would bring first fruits from his uh, crops to the church. It's just just a sweet offering. Nowadays, many of us aren't farmers, but the first fruits from our paychecks, okay? So there's the giving options up there on the screen for you. You can go online. You can text to give. And we have these beautiful boxes in the back of the room where you can drop your offering as well. Um, As I mentioned earlier, 21 days of prayer. So join us here in the church, not tonight, but the next three Sundays from 6 to 7. Or if you can't come, just at your own home, set aside a time each day or once a week to pray and uh, in agreement for those things in our city, in our congregation, in our world, as the Lord would lead you. And there are guides out on our website about prayer, about fasting. And then if you're a part of this, if you're calling Cornerstone your home church, would you stay around a little bit after we bless you? Would you just hang for just a few moments? The children's ministry knows that we're going to have a little short meeting. So if you're calling this church your home church, Hang with us for just a few moments. We want to share a little bit of information with you as we start this year. All right? So if you will stand, take a deep breath, and position yourself to receive the blessing from the Lord. Maybe close your eyes. Put your hands out. When we hear God's word spoken over us, it is alive and active. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen and amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.